heard a prayer from one of our shepherds, David Wicks. And along with him and along with all of you, we are praying. We're praying for our church, for our leaders. We're praying for our community, for our civil leaders here in this Tyler and Smith County area and wherever you are. Uh, and we're praying for our nation's leaders, uh, for our president, for our our Congress and Senate, for all of those who have a hand in, in making the policy and trying to help during this time uh, of the COVID-19 uh, tragedy and difficulty that we're seeing all around the world. And of course, we pray for our world leaders as well. And we ask you to pray for us and to pray for them. And I know that you are. And know that we are praying for you. We may not even know who you are or really specifically where you are. Uh, but we are praying. And we're asking God uh, to bless and to heal. As we look ahead to another month, it seems, of living in the new normal of COVID-19 of social distancing, of online worship services, of Zoom Bible classes, I considered what I had planned for my sermon theme for this month, for the month of April, and whether or not I should change it. And though the specifics in each message will definitely have unexpected applications because of the current crisis, the overall theme is perhaps even more appropriate than I had originally envisioned uh, weeks ago. The title of the series is Words from the Cross, and it will focus each week in April on one or more of the seven last statements that Jesus made from the cross before his death, uttered while he hung suffering and dying at Calvary. Here are those statements, and you're familiar with these, I know, already. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? from Mark 15 and Matthew 27. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit, from Luke 23. Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise, from Luke 23. And that will be the Easter Sunday sermon next week. Woman, here is your son. And to John, here is your mother, from the Gospel of John, chapter 19. Also from John 19, I am thirsty, Jesus said. From Luke 23, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And then lastly, from John 19, three powerful yet simple words. It is finished. Today is Palm Sunday, as you've noticed on the calendar, and it is uh, a special day for many. It's a day of remembrance of one of the most triumphant and joyful times in Jesus' life and in his ministry. Uh, you can read about it in Mark 11 and, and Matthew 21. And it's that time where Jesus enters Jerusalem for the last time. As David Keene shared in our communion uh, meditation time, uh, it leads up to that time when Jesus meets with his closest disciples uh, for the last time just before he is killed and shares that last Passover with them. And from that, uh, later the church would celebrate what we call the Lord's Supper, as the Bible tells us. And it's during that time on, the, on that moment of triumph as Jesus enters into Jerusalem 
that they shout Hosanna, just as we sang earlier. Hosanna, Hosanna, as Jesus comes into town, humbly and yet with great celebration. And so a couple of statements going forward from there, past the time when Jesus cleanses the temple, past the time when Jesus meets with his disciples at that last supper, past the time when Judas goes away and betrays him for 30 pieces of silver, past the time of his arrest, of his beatings and floggings, of Pilate seeking to uh, wash his hands of guilt and finally pronouncing him uh, guilty and worthy of death on the cross to the time when Jesus is there. And we don't have a lot of insight into that other than knowing culturally the horrendous death, the pain and agony that he must have felt. But we also have some insight into what he was feeling and what he was thinking, what he was experiencing through the things that he said, those seven last words of Christ on the cross. And so first, we'll look at Mark Mark chapter 15, verse 34, and Matthew chapter 27, verse 46. And in these words that Jesus cries out, we help, we are helped in knowing that Jesus knows what it's like to feel forsaken. The gospel writers record, at three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? There's a sense where Jesus felt forsaken and abandoned at that moment. And we wonder, how in the world could the Son of God feel that way, knowing what he knew, coming from where he came from, and knowing where he was going and what was ahead? Why would he he shout in agony? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? One of the reasons, I think, is because he was actually quoting Scripture. He was thinking of one of the Psalms as he was hanging on that cross dying. And he remembered Psalm 22, a psalm that is written by someone who felt forsaken who knew what it was like to be in pain. And it is one of those psalms that you see someone understood from a a general perspective what it was like to suffer the way Jesus was suffering. But only Jesus could know the fulfillment of these words that we read in the 22nd Psalm, beginning in verse 1. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? So far from my cries of anguish. My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the one Israel praises. In you our ancestors put their trust. They trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried out and were saved. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. Verse 6, but I am a worm and not a man. Scorned by everyone, despised by the people, all who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. 
Let him deliver him, since he delights in him. Yet you brought me out of the womb. You made me trust in you, even at my mother's breast. From birth I was cast on you. From my mother's womb you have been my God. Do not be far from me, for trouble is near me, and there is no one to help. Many bulls surround me. Strong bulls of Bashan encircle me. Roaring lions that tear their prey open their mouths wide against me. I am poured out like water, verse 14 says, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is turned to wax. It is melted within me. My mouth is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Dogs surround me. A pack of villains encircles me. Verse 16, they pierce my hands and my feet. All my bones are on display. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. But you, Lord, do not be far from me. You are my strength. Come quickly to help me. Deliver me from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dogs. Rescue me from the mouth of the lions. Save me from the horns of the wild oxen. As we read those words, it's easy to see why Jesus would think of that psalm at that moment. Because it shows so many things that were going on there at Golgotha. So many things that Jesus was experiencing as his life was literally being taken away from him. They divided his clothes. They gambled for what was left of his clothes. People could see all of his bones as he was crucified. And so many things that the psalmist looks ahead and sees in the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. And the psalmist, as he was experiencing the pain and illness and and, uh, emotional distress, he cried out to God, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And Jesus makes that same statement of all of these statements from that great psalm. It's that one that Jesus cries from the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And my question is, how did we get so far from Hosanna to the King of Kings, the Prince of Peace, to my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? James Martin, in his book, Seven Last Words, says this, Here we need to distinguish between a person's believing that God is absent and feeling it. And I think that's right. And we remember another psalm, the very next psalm, the 23rd psalm, where David, as he is considering the presence of God, even in the midst of pain and fear and difficulty, even in the midst of death, says those great words that are such a comfort to us today. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, thou art with me. And it's not that God says you'll never have to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. It's just that his promise says, I'll be with you. You may not feel that I am, but I'll be with you. And for the psalmist and then for Jesus, there was that, stark sense of being alone, of wondering where the Father is and why is he not acting. And we feel that way now, do we not? 
We look at the pain and we look at the tragedy. We look at exhausted medical workers. We look at the fear of people who are losing their jobs or losing their pay, losing their loved ones. And we ask ourselves that same question, where are you, God? And we feel forsaken and abandoned. Jesus knew that feeling. He knew that feeling. He felt that way. He felt that abandonment. He felt forsaken by his own father. And we remember in the Garden of Gethsemane, he had prayed, take this cup from me if there's any other way. But we also remember that he followed that up with, but not my will, yours be done. And so even though Jesus may have felt forsaken by the Father, we know we know that he wasn't. God cannot look upon such great sin, and Jesus had my sin and all of our sins on him at that moment. And so perhaps he did look away. And Jesus felt that aloneness, felt that lostness, felt that sense of abandonment, of being forsaken. How did he get back from there, from that dark, dark place of alone, of abandoned? I think a good help to start is to recall the last half of that same psalm, Psalm 22, that had come to the Lord's mind in his suffering, because I believe that Jesus not only identified at that moment with the first part of the psalm that we read, that sense of pain and hurt and fear and abandonment. But Jesus also knew that that psalmist had been delivered and he praised the one who had delivered him in the verses that follow. In Psalm 22, beginning at verse 22, I will declare your name to my people. In the assembly, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, honor him. Revere him, all you descendants of Israel, for he has not despised or scorned the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden his face from him, but has listened to his cry for help. From you comes the theme of my praise in the great assembly. Before those who fear you, I will fulfill my vows. The poor will eat and be satisfied. Those who seek the Lord will praise him. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations will bow down before him. For dominion belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. Verse 29, all the rich of the earth will feast and worship. All who go down to the dust will kneel before him, those who cannot keep themselves alive. Posterity will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord. They will proclaim his righteousness, declaring to a people yet unborn, he has done it. Yes, Jesus knows what it's like to feel forsaken. But secondly, Jesus also knows what it's like to trust the Father. That's these great words found in Luke 23, verse 46. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. In that moment, Jesus acknowledged that even though he had felt forsaken, even though he remembered the pain and suffering of the psalmist, he also remembered the deliverance, and he knew that the Father would deliver him. 
and he knew that he was doing the will of his heavenly father. You see, at that very moment, Jesus was doing what Paul tells us to do in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 7, acknowledging that we live by faith, not by sight. And the truth is, we live and die by faith. And that's what Jesus did that day. In the book of Hebrews, beginning in verse 13, as the writer of Hebrews recounts that great honor roll of faith, he says these words, beginning in verse 13, all of those, they saw that, but they saw it by faith, and all of these died by faith. If they were looking for an earthly place, something that this world could offer, they could easily have gone there, but that's not what they were looking for. And they never experienced it during their lives. They were living by faith when they died. Jesus lived and died by faith. He understood the song that we sang earlier, Trust and Obey. And so he prayed that prayer, Father, not my will, but yours be done. And he trusted and he obeyed, even death on a cross. Throughout his ministry, Jesus had said this would happen. He had warned his disciples, I'm going to be betrayed. I'm going to be arrested. I'm going to be beaten. I'm going to be convicted and I'm going to be killed. But on the third day, I'll rise again. So this didn't surprise him. It didn't surprise him when the father said no to his prayer in the garden. But Jesus was prepared for that. He knew that was not only a possibility, but the likely, the certain response to that prayer, to take that cup from him. But all that doesn't mean that he didn't feel forsaken and abandoned by his father, just like we do sometimes, even though we know cognitively in our brains that it may be the right thing for God to say no to our request in prayer, and especially perhaps those times when we're not convinced even in our own minds that that that's not the right thing. As we see the suffering all around us and pray for God to act, Still, we are called to trust in him, and it's during those times when we don't understand what's going on and we we can't explain it. That's when faith is really faith. This time that we're in right now is when faith is really faith. We are trusting in the Father who knows and who loves and who ultimately delivers, whether we see that deliverance or not. We trust in the Father just like Jesus did and commit our spirits into his loving hands. We continue to trust him. We continue to live by faith. We continue to look to him to see us through. The passage that Danny read earlier in Psalm 118 is remembered by Jesus in his ministry. That one that the builders rejected, that stone is now the headstone. It's that big foundation for everything else. The Apostle Peter remembers that as well in his preaching and in his writings. Jesus knew. He knows what it's like to feel forsaken. And Jesus knows what it's like to trust the Father, to commit our spirits to him. What these last words of Jesus from the cross tell us is what is affirmed throughout scripture, but maybe especially 
in that book of Hebrews that we quoted from earlier in Hebrews chapter 11. It's what Danny talked about when he talked about a, a reset. This time is an opportunity for us to have a reset, for us to be reminded of what's really important, to be reminded of how little control we ultimately have, but also to be reminded that the one we trust is the one who has control over everything and will act in love, in justice, in mercy, and in grace. The writer of the book of Hebrews in chapter 2 and in chapter 4 says, Jesus experienced everything that we experience. He experienced life, but he also experienced death. And he cried out in pain so that he could save us, who all our lives have been enslaved by the power of death. No longer, no longer. And it talks about how that one who came for us was tempted in every way, just as we are, yet never sinned. Because of that, he is the only one who is qualified to be our great high priest. He alone is the one who can save. Jesus understands our suffering. Jesus understands our physical suffering. COVID-19 and the physical pain and suffering and death it causes is very real and cannot be denied. But our Lord experienced the physical pain and suffering and death brought about from his beatings, his floggings, and especially from being nailed to the cross. Jesus understands our physical suffering, but there's more. Jesus identifies with more than just our physical bodily suffering, as important as that is. He was like us in every way, yet he never sinned. And his cry from the cross to the Father, who he felt had turned his back on him, tells us that our Lord understands our spiritual and emotional suffering as well. He identifies with us when we feel forsaken and abandoned by our Heavenly Father. He felt it too. Yet in the midst of that, he comforts us with the same assurance that he knew, even in the midst of his own great suffering, that the Father can be trusted and that he is worthy of us committing our lives into his hand. Perhaps there are some you know who need to hear this message of hope, this message of of trust, this message of honest cries to God. Perhaps you can share with them this lesson when it's on our website, westerwin.com, and you can also encourage them to be a part of these lessons each week this month, especially next Sunday, on Easter Sunday, to hear those words again to this most horrible of criminals next to Jesus and yet one who turned to him in faith and the words that Jesus will say today you will be with me in paradise remind them that Jesus knows what it is like to feel forsaken and what it means to commit your spirit and your life and your loved ones to the father let's bow O our God, our God, like the psalmist and like our Lord on the cross, we too cry out to you. We too feel abandoned and forsaken at times in the midst of the suffering we see all around us today. And yet we also, in the midst of the difficulty and the suffering, we know, Father, that you have not forsaken us. 
We know that your presence continues to lead and guide and bless us through the storm, even during those times when we feel forsaken. And so we continue to trust in you each day, each night, each moment, Father, into your hands we commit our spirits. So shine, Jesus, shine. Fill this land with the Father's glory. Blaze, Spirit, blaze. Set our hearts on fire. Flow, river, flow. Flood the nations with grace and mercy. Send forth your word, Father. Let there be relief. Let there be deliverance. Let there be light. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.